Well, good morning, friends. Happy Easter. He is risen. Oh, it's good to see you guys. I just want to welcome you from the top of the balconies down to the front row, those of you in the family venue next door, all our online viewers uh, through Northeast Ohio, plus those of you watching right now out of state. We've got people in New York, New Hampshire, Florida, North Carolina, Kansas watching. Thanks for being here and celebrating the resurrection. Uh, it is a joyous day for us indeed. Can I hear a little bit of energy and excitement here? Woo! Oh. Hey, when I was a kid, uh, like most of you, I walked to school. I walked to school elementary, junior high, oftentimes. And without fail, there was always a mini-mart on the way to school. And so I would take the opportunity often to duck into the mini-mart and grab some candy on the way to school. And there was one particular candy that was, it was like my kryptonite, you know? Couldn't resist. And there was the notorious now and later, all right? I don't know if you guys remember the now and laters. Uh, they're not as popular now. But, and I, I, I let these things live up to their name. Because what I would do is I would get a bunch of handfuls of these bad boys and put them in my pocket for later, right? And then I would unwrap some on the way to school eating them now. And of course, the ones now were very good, but the ones later were even better. You know why? Because they were soft. They've been in my pocket all day. They were ready to roll, and I would just knock these things out. Nice little diet of now and laters throughout school. It's probably why I had all the fillings and cavities by the time I was 18. So great candy. What does that have to do with today? <laughs> because that candy gave me a benefit in the now, and it gave me a benefit later. You know what? When you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have a benefit now, and you have a benefit later. Specifically, you get new life right now, but you also get a perfect life, eternal life, heavenly life later waiting for you. And so I want to ruin you that from this day forward, whenever you see a now and later, you think of Jesus. <laughs> you think that believing in Jesus is something that will give you something now and later. And this is good news, because if we're going to be honest, for some of us, our now isn't that great. Some of you, right now your now is full of pain, or it's mundane, or it's empty. You're like, is this all there really is? Get up, go to work, you know, come home, eat, do it again, do it again, do it again. And you're thinking, when I look at the horizon, when I look at beyond the horizon, when I look at later, eh, I don't see that much hope. There's just kind of a big question mark out there. But for those of us who believe in Jesus... And we look at our now, and we think, man, Jesus has given us abundant life. He's given us new purpose, new joy, new hope, new peace, all these things that are his through belief in Christ. And we get a perfect later. And the now is good, but the later is even better. Because when we get to that presence with God for all of eternity with Jesus in heaven, it's going to be an incredible later indeed. And all of this is because of Jesus. And not because of what Jesus just does, but because of who Jesus is is. Now, we've spent the last several weeks looking at seven uh, unique statements where Jesus doesn't want us just to know about what he does, but about who he is. And these are called the I am statements in the book of John. And if you have missed any of those and you're curious, I encourage you to go back online to cvconline.org, watch those videos, learn a little bit more about these I am statements where Jesus is basically saying he's God, and then gives a really neat picture about how we can relate to him in relationship. And it's only appropriate that on today, Resurrection Sunday, we look at this one I am statement. We're wrapping up that series. It's a time when Jesus said, I I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus doesn't just bring resurrection. He is the resurrection. And he said this right before he did one of his most stunning miracles in his entire ministry when he was here on earth. And I want you to see it for yourself. 
I want you to look at this with your own eyeballs. So open up your Bibles. I hope you brought your Bibles. Open up your Bibles to the book of John chapter 11. If you're using electronic Bibles, fire up those Bible apps. Get to John 11. If you're here today and you don't have a Bible, don't sweat it. We'll put them up on the screen for you for today. And also... Uh, if you don't own a Bible, we would absolutely love to give you one. So don't leave here today without a free Bible. Stop by the Information Center. We'll give one to you. Happy Easter. Now, as you're turning to John 11, just want to lay a little context here. Uh, Jesus had just a few groups of close friends. He had a lot of acquaintances, a lot of followers, but just a few groups of close friends. And in this group of friends, there were three people. There was a man named Lazarus. And he had two sisters, Mary and Martha, and they were dear friends. Now, these uh, friends of his lived in a village called Bethany, and it was about two miles east of Jerusalem, just over the uh, Mount of Olives. Now, Lazarus fell deathly ill. The guy is going to die. He's very sick. Mary and Martha, his sisters, are very concerned, so they send for Jesus. Jesus is actually quite a distance away. He's actually in another town, also named Bethany, but it's across the Jordan River. It's not exactly right around the corner. And so they send a messenger to go get Jesus. Jesus, Lazarus, the guy you love, your friend, he's sick. We really believe you can do something about that, so come over here and help us. You know what Jesus does? He does exactly what you would do when you find out someone's sick. He doesn't do anything. He just sits around for a couple days. You're thinking, wait, no, 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 that's not what I would do. <laughs> if, if a loved one called you and said, I need your help, I'm sick, I'm in the hospital, we typically drop everything and we go. Jesus didn't do that. He just let it ride. He's like, I'm just going to wait a couple days. That, that tees up this moment. So let's look at John 11. We're going to start with verses 14 through 16 to see what happens from here. Luke, uh, John 11:14. 14. Then Jesus told them, his disciples that were hanging out with them, then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. So Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go, that we may die with him. Here's the recap. Jesus is telling his disciples, guess what? Lazarus has actually died, and we're going to go back to Judea to visit him. But this is not a good idea in the eyes of the disciples, because the last time they were in that neck of the woods... All the Jewish leaders are trying to kill Jesus. And so here you got Thomas. you got to love Thomas. This guy's the pessimist. This guy's the doubter, the skeptic. He's like, oh, great. We're going to go back to Judea. Let's all go so we can just die with Jesus. You know, this is what's going to happen. This reminds me of the moment in the movie Inside Out. If you haven't seen it, spoiler alert, okay? Uh, pretty profound animated movie. And in this movie, the character Sadness and the character Joy are about to go into long-term memory, right? And what happens is Sadness is laying there, and Sadness says to Joy, wait, Joy, don't go in there. You'll get lost. And Joy says, think positive. And Sadness says, I'm positive you'll get lost. <laughs> this is what's happening here. Guys, we're going to go back to Judea. We can't go back to Judea. We're going to die. Think positive. We're positive. We're going to die. This, this is what's happening in this moment. But nevertheless, they make their way over to Bethany to see what's going on. Now, what's happening in this moment with the disciples is very important. Because what they're doing is they're actually expressing doubt. They're questioning Jesus. And what they're doing is they're questioning the reasoning of Jesus. Like, wait a second, Lord, you want to go where? To do what? I don't think this is a good idea. And the disciples are questioning his reasoning. But it's not the last of the questioning we're about to see. So they get up, they go over to Bethany, and as they come into Bethany, they encounter first Martha, one of Lazarus' sisters. And we see this conversation pick up in John eleven twenty one. 21. 
What's the first thing out of Martha's mouth? Martha says to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, and I'd love for you to say it with me, I am the resurrection and the life. Now, what a statement. He continues on. He says, whoever believes in me, though he die physically, yet shall he live spiritually. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming into the world. This is an incredible exchange. This is a unique moment. And this is where Jesus plops that statement, I am the resurrection and the life, right into Martha's lap. And what's happening here is just as the disciples were questioning the reasoning of Jesus, now Martha is also questioning Jesus. Now, she's not questioning his identity. She's not questioning his power. In fact, she says, hey, you ask the Lord right now, whatever he wants to do, he's going to do it. She's not questioning any of those things. Here's what Martha's questioning. She's questioning the care of Jesus. She's like, Jesus, if you would have been here, this wouldn't have happened. Lazarus wouldn't be dead. Where were you? We called for you. We asked for you. We let you know about the situation. I thought you loved us. I thought you cared for us. Why didn't you come? Why didn't you take care of this? She's actually questioning the care of Jesus. Now, what Martha does is she runs over and gets her sister Mary back at the house, brings her to hang out with him and Jesus, with Jesus and her. Guess what Mary says? It sounds like an echo, John eleven thirty two. 32. When Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. She's saying the same thing. If you would have been here, but where were you? We thought you cared. And, and, and the custom of the time, if you're familiar with this in the ancient East, is a lot of times when someone would die, you would actually have professional mourners that would come around. You might not even know these people, but they would come to support you by mourning. And so they would cry with you. They would cry for you. They would wail. And so now there's this large crowd of Jewish people. I think Mary and Martha were well-known and Lazarus were well-known. And these Jewish people were, were grieving with Mary and Martha, and they saw Mary and Martha go to Jesus, and so they followed. And they watched this whole thing go down. They watched Mary and Martha sobbing and crying and all the emotion. They saw Jesus getting emotional. They saw emotion in this moment. Look what they said in verse 37. They said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? More questioning, more doubt. I thought Jesus loved these people. Like, he could have prevented this. Why, if he could have prevented it, why didn't he? There's a lot of doubt, a lot of questioning going on in this moment. How does Jesus respond? He doesn't sit down and try to have a big, like, lesson, sermon, theology. He says, I'm going to do something. I'm trying to explain that I am the resurrection and the life. I don't just want to do something. I want to give evidence of the someone that I am. And so look what he does. He makes a big statement with a big miracle. John 11, verses 38 through 46. Follow with me. Then Jesus deeply moved again, make a note of that because we're going to come back to that moment, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. This is Lazarus's tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there'll be an odor for he's been dead for four days. A little more questioning going on. Is this a good idea? He's been dead four days. It's going to stink. This isn't good. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you, what's the word say? Believed. You would, what's the next word? See the glory of God. What comes first, belief or seeing? <laughs> belief. If you believe, you will see. So we get that backwards. That you show me and then I'll believe. And sometimes Jesus will do that. He's about to. But ultimately, the Lord is saying, you got to believe and then you'll see. He says, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. 
And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you would always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may, what's the word? Believe that you sent me. When he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. In the midst of all this doubt, in the midst of all this questioning, what did Jesus do? He did something they didn't see coming. So if you think about all the conversation, if, if you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. If you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. Hey, look, if you can open the eyes of a blind man, you could have been here, he wouldn't have died. Their human limited eyesight was saying, Jesus could have prevented the bad thing from happening. Jesus could have prevented the death of Lazarus. They never even considered that Jesus could bring him back to life. That wasn't even on the radar. And so he did something absolutely beyond their imagination. And he resurrected Lazarus so that they would have greater belief in him. That was the point. That was the reason. I mean, look at the exchange between Martha and Jesus again in verse 23. When Jesus said, your brother will rise again, Martha said, yes, I know he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. When Jesus said to her, and this is why we know she wasn't even thinking about him coming back to life, yes, 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 Jesus, I know. In the resurrection, later, <laughs> later at the end, I know Lazarus is going to come back to life. Which, side note, Lazarus did die again, and then, <laughs> you know, will be resurrected again at the end day. And so, yes, 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 later he'll come back to life. But Jesus is saying, no, 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 you don't get it. I am the resurrection. I am the life, and I'm going to do something now. I'm going to do something now about this that you don't even see coming. And so he's teaching on this. And he says, after I'm the resurrection life, whoever believes in me, though he dies, shall, yet shall he live. This is Jesus teaching that whoever believes in him, that even though you may physically die, that you live on in eternity, in eternal life, if you're a believer. And if you reject Jesus, you go on and, and, and live separated from God for all of eternity and eternal death. And we call this heaven and hell. And so this is what Jesus is teaching. We might physically die, but we will continue to live spiritually, spiritual life. And where are we going to do that? <laughs> Later, it's going to be in a perfect place, in a perfect state, in a perfect life, in a forever presence of a forgiving, loving, perfect, heavenly Father. This is what Jesus is getting to. And for all those who believe, it's theirs. But the crux of this moment is you've got to believe. You have to believe. Now, I want to just move into this motion. It says that Jesus was moved again. Now, in John 11, we have the easiest memory verse in the entire Bible. A lot of you already know it. If you guys, we're going to memorize a Bible verse right now, all right? John 11.35. Everyone say John 11.35. Say Jesus wept. There you go. You got your first memory verse for today. Isn't that great? You memorize. Some of you are like, I memorized the Bible verse, man. John 11.35. Why did Jesus weep? You ever ask yourself that? Why did he weep? See, when we look at this at face value, here's what we see. Jesus loved Lazarus. He loved Mary and Martha. He saw this moment. His friend has died. His, his siblings are weeping and in sorrow. And it's very easy to go, oh, I get it. This is a moment of great compassion and tenderness and gentleness. This is Jesus going, oh, man, I hate to see you crying, Mary and Martha. This is Jesus looking at Lazarus, his friend, going, I can't believe my friend's gone. And in that moment, he enters out of 100% compassion. He's moved. This is a tender moment, a gentle moment, saying, Lazarus, come out. We miss you. We want you back. That's what we might see at first glance. That's not what's happening here. I propose to you, if you really look a little more carefully at what's going on, 
It's a different kind of tears that Jesus is weeping. Because prior to that moment, it says that Jesus was troubled. It says that Jesus was moved. And here it says that Jesus is moved again. When you study the original language, those words troubled and moved means that he was bothered. It means that he was agitated. So I want you to think about the people you love right now, okay? Spouses. You love your spouses. I'm sure there are times when you are agitated with them and do not stare at each other and poke each other right now, right? Parents, you love your kids, but there are times when you are irritated with your kids, right? Kids, you love your parents. There are times your parents bother you. You can love someone and be bothered by them. Jesus loves Lazarus. He loves Mary and Martha. There's no doubt about that there is compassion in this moment, but that's not why he does what he does. He sees the absolute lack of faith. He sees the absolute lack of understanding of who he is. And he goes, all right, all right. You want to see something that will back up what I'm saying? You want to understand something that, that is help, that's preventing you from really seeing that I am the resurrection? Fine. He walks up to the tomb and says, Lazarus, come out. And I'm so glad he got specific. Because if Jesus would have stood in front of the entire cemetery and said, come out, oh my goodness. Everybody would have came out probably. You would have had people in Jerusalem like, Grandpa, you died 10 years ago. What's going on, you know? No, he narrowed it. Lazarus, come out. And this was a drop-the-mic moment. This was Jesus going, you need to see evidence? Fine, I'll entertain you for a moment. Lazarus, come out. It was him provoking belief. The reason that Jesus rose Lazarus was to provoke belief in all those who were around him. Did it work? Look at verse 45. Many of the Jews... Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, what? Believed. And many people believed. But here is the absolute crazy, stunning account for the rest. Look at verse 46. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. This is crazy. Big group of people. They just, I don't know about you. If I went to a cemetery and some guy just stood over a grave of a person that I knew that had died. I knew they were dead. They were gone four days. All of a sudden he said, come out. And that person came out of the grave. I'd freak out. I don't know about you. Some of you might be more casual. Like, oh, that's really interesting. No, I'd freak out. And I think all the other people watching that would freak out. And if that person says, I'm God, well, you know, they give a lot of evidence that they are God. Many believe, but there's still some that walked away going, I'm not going to believe. Like, that's ludicrous. That's ludicrous that they watched a dead man come back to life. And what did they do? They went and tattled on Jesus to the people who didn't like him and stirred up more unbelief. Uh, this is just evidence that when we come to Christ, when we come to God, and I know we got people all over the map, spiritual journey. If you're watching online, you're watching next door, you're in this room, I know we've got people all over the map. Some of you love Jesus, you're believers. Some of you are trying to figure it out. Some of you are like, nah, I'm not believing my grandma brought me today, you know, whatever. And whatever it is, hey, first, your, your questions are welcome here, your doubts welcome here, your skepticism's welcome here, your journey's welcome here. But you gotta understand, there's a difference between I can't believe and I won't believe. And the person who says, I can't believe, here's all this information. And as the Bible's being taught, going, wait a second, there's a God who made me. There's a God who loved me. My sin disrupts that relationship. My sin, the evil in me that comes out of me, that's stirring in me, keeps me away from God. But God resolved it. God took care of that barrier by dying on the cross, raising from the grave. I can't believe it. That's, that's amazing love. Absolutely. And that love draws us into belief and faith. But then there's others who are going, not going to believe it. I just refuse. There's nothing... Jesus could do 
to make me believe. There's a difference. And so in that moment, some believed, some didn't. Not much has changed in 2,000 years, has it? Not much has changed. Jesus is still calling us to believe in him. Jesus is still calling us to respond in faith. And some will walk away believing, and some will walk away not believing. Now, some of you are here today because you believe Jesus rose from the grave. Some of you are here just in case Jesus rose from the grave. Make that distinction. And I just want to speak to any of you here or online or next door that that are skeptical right now. You're not there yet. My encouragement is, if you're going to choose disbelief, at least choose it with some knowledge. At least put some knowledge behind your your willful decision to not believe in this moment. I encourage you to look at archaeology, look at history, look at um, medical resources, look at resources both in and outside the Bible. Do the study. And if you're going to study, focus on one thing to study. Because if you try to tackle Christianity or Jesus as a whole, it's a big study. But start here. Start just looking at the resurrection. Look just at the resurrection of Jesus. Because all of Christianity hinges on merely that. Because if Jesus didn't rise from the grave, we're wasting our time. You're dressed up for nothing. Your ham's cooking for nothing. You're hiding eggs and all this other stuff. You're, You're celebrating for nothing. That's a waste of your time. If Jesus didn't rise from the grave. And so if you're skeptical, man, study just the resurrection. Look at all those resources. And my encouragement is try to tap into those who've already done the heavy lifting. Because there have been some seriously antagonistic atheists who said, oh yeah, I'm going to prove Christianity wrong. And they spent years, and they unearthed everything they could unearth, and they went all over the world interviewing people, and you, you read the writings of C.S. Lewis. Look at Josh McDowell. Look at Lee Strobel, who spent way more time looking at it than you probably ever have or ever will, who've talked to more people and done more research than you probably ever have or ever will, and at the end of the day, you know what they did? Oh, crud, I'm on the wrong side of this. And now you got guys who hated the resurrection that now are the biggest voices and proponents for the resurrection. So if you're going to choose disbelief, man, look at those who've gone before you. Seriously consider the claims of Christ. Don't just dismiss the claims of Christ. I really believe that if you study with an open heart and with zeal, you will realize that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is undisputable. Jesus is risen. Now, Believers were not off the hook. Mary loved Jesus and believed in him. Martha loved Jesus, believed in him. But what did they do? They questioned him. They came into a moment of doubt. Jesus, I thought you cared. And if we're going to be honest, believers, we love Jesus, but there's moments we go, well, time out here, Lord. I thought you cared. You are not preventing these bad things from happening in my life. You're not just giving me good. Why is this prayer unanswered? Why is this heart's desire going undone in my life? I thought you loved. I thought you cared. And we have to come back to this place of going, Jesus isn't going to always do what we want, when we want, how we want. We have to absolutely trust him. Believing in Jesus is trusting in Jesus. And the reason some of you are not experiencing a powerful, intimate relationship with Jesus now, the reason you're not seeing that new life that he offers now really taking traction is because you're spending more time questioning Jesus than trusting Jesus. You need to take your energy, spend more time trusting Jesus than questioning Jesus. For example, why did Jesus wait four days? Like at first glance, it's like Jesus didn't care. He waited four days. The Lord always knows more than we, can we agree the Lord knows more than we do? He sees the whole picture. He sees the whole picture. We don't. 
Why he waited four days? He simply wanted to make sure and he wanted everyone else to know that Lazarus was truly dead. Because by four days, <laughs> rigor mortis, decomposition, all those lovely gross things were in play. And not only that, but there was a Jewish superstition. It's not true, but it was a superstition of the day that when a body died, the soul kind of hung out around the body for three days. So if Jesus would have showed up day one or day two and brought Lazarus back to life, the skeptics could have been like, well, this really has nothing to do with Jesus because the soul just got reunited with the body and Jesus just happened to be there when it happened. No, he waited four days so that the physical evidence would be clear and the suspicious evidence would be gone that he would get all the glory. This guy was definitely dead, and he would get all the glory. And so as we come to our lives and think about, why am I having a hard time trusting Jesus? we got to go, I don't know why he's waiting. And maybe you won't know until you see him face to face. And maybe when you see Jesus face to face, that longing, that desire, you'll go, oh, now I understand. But now, you just have to trust. You have to just trust. Remember, we're not trusting Jesus for something. We're trusting him because of he's someone. He's someone we can trust. And just as he used an empty tomb in this moment with Martha and Lazar, uh, with Lazarus' grave and Mary and all those, just as he used that empty tomb to provoke belief, he uses his empty tomb to provoke belief today. Those of us who are believers, we believe the tomb is empty. Remember, they didn't roll away the stone to let Jesus out. They rolled away the stone so that we could all look in and verify that the grave is empty. That's why the stone was rolled away. He provokes belief with his own resurrection. And so we can experience newness of life now, not just an eternity later to look forward to, but we can experience new life now, resurrection power now. And we can experience resurrection now, not because we're good, but because Jesus is good. It's all about the sum one. And so when we experience this resurrection uh, now, we need to realize it's something available to us in this moment. Resurrection is not just a future event. It's a current experience. And Jesus invites you into a life you can only experience through him. Where do you need to see resurrection power in your life? In order for there to be a resurrection, something has to die. What has died in your life? What hope or what purity or what joy what opportunity or what loved one or what relationship is bringing death into your life? What addiction or pattern or pursuit or relationship or circumstance feels like death in your life? If you believe in Jesus, he'll definitely lock in that perfect future and eternity, but he'll give you that new life now. And so he can resurrect your hope and your joy and your peace. Jesus can take a dead marriage. And if two people believe in him, he can bring it back to life. Jesus can take the most broken and bitter of hearts and resurrect new hope and new life and new trust and new peace into that heart, new strength. But it's on the other side of true belief. Not a vague, nebulous belief, but a true, authentic belief. And that's what we're rallying our hearts around today. Belief in Jesus. Belief in Jesus as the Savior as the only way to have right relationship with God, as the only one who can forgive sins, belief in Jesus gives new life now and that perfect life later. Now, we're going to wrap up today with a couple of very sweet reminders. One is we've been having baptisms in all our services. People just saying that they're um, 
you know, new in Christ, and they're excited about what God's done, and they can't wait to share that with you. And so today we're going to share in the testimony of new life in Christ through, through baptisms, and that's very sweet. The second sweet reminder I want to give you today is I want to give you all a pack of now laters, all right? So on your way out, there'll be some friends that have now laters for you. I want you to take them. You can eat them now or later. Um, but here's my encouragement. I want you to take this today, and whether you eat the candy and save the wrapper, or whether you... you, you um, put the candy somewhere special. Every time you see now and later, I want it to be a trigger for you that belief in Jesus gives us new life now and perfect life later. Like, let that be a trigger. I mean, if you just use the wrapper and tape it to your dash on your car, something, your friends are like, what's up with the wrapper? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> belief in Jesus gives you new life now and a perfect life later. That could be a conversation starter. So take this candy and let it be a reminder of what we've talked about. Now, I want to close out my teaching time with two invitations today. The first invitation is this. I want to invite all of us, all of us to respond. So please get out your program. Everybody get out the program. If you're online, you can send us an email at cvconline.org. Okay? I want to invite all of you to share with us. We'd love to hear your thoughts, your hearts, your status in believing in Christ. When Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life, he looked at Martha after that and said, do you believe this? She responded, Yes. If Jesus looked at you today and said, I'm the resurrection life, do you believe this? What would you say? And we're looking for authenticity here. So if you're a follower of Christ, you already believe, circle A, all right? You're going to rip this off, turn it into the baskets at the end of the service. Just circle A, I already believe. And just do that with a smile on your face and joy in your heart. If today's the day that you're really getting this and you're ready to take that first step of faith and believing in Jesus, Man, with a joyful heart and a circle on your face, circle B, going believe. Today, I believe in Jesus. And in a minute, I want to lead you in a time where you can tell the Lord that. Also, circle C, if you're honestly in a place where you're considering the claims of Christ, but you're not ready to believe yet. And that, you're on a journey. That's okay. But uh, we'd love to know what's going on in your heart. And if you are open to it, we'd love to just have a conversation. So circle C, Put down your contact information. Here's my email. Here's my number. Get in touch with me. I want to talk more about this Jesus thing. We'll, we'll get in touch with you. Also, if you're in this place where you're not believing and you're not feeling like you're going to, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Circle D and just put on those blank lines. Here's why I don't believe. Here's my hangup. We'd love to hear your thoughts. So I invite all of you to respond. The second invitation is I want to invite you to come back next week because we talk a lot about eternity and what the Lord has for us then. That's beautiful and it's sweet and it's amazing. We still need help now. And so we're going to do this uh, series starting next week called Pursuit of Purpose. And we're going to listen to the words of the wisest, wealthiest man that's ever touched the face of this planet, King Solomon. And he's going to give us wisdom on how we can really pursue purpose the way God designs um, in this life. And so and come back next week, bring some friends. We want to talk about that. But for now, I hope all of you can walk out of here with this Set in your heart. Man, belief in Jesus. It means new life now, a perfect life later. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this moment that we get to celebrate. Lord, I thank you for all my brothers and sisters in Christ in here. I thank you that we all know you and love you. Father, forgive us when we question and doubt. Lord, all we need to do is look back at the empty tomb and just be reminded that everything you said is true, everything you said is accurate. All that you said would happen has happened. All that you say that's going to happen is going to happen. So help uh, cement our faith, grow our faith, increase our faith by being reminded today that you truly are the resurrection and the life. And Father, I pray for all the boys and girls and men and women right now that are ready to believe. 
And if that's you today, you're watching online or you're in this room or next door and you're ready to profess your faith in Christ, I want to lead you in a prayer. It's not me, it's not the words, it's your heart. If you can say this authentically and genuinely to the Lord, turn to him and just say this, Lord Jesus, I'm lost and sinful and need you in my life. I turn from my sin, from trusting and believing in myself to trusting and believing in you. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sin and raising from the grave. Today, I receive your gift of eternal life to experience later and the gift of new life that you offer now. Today, I believe and declare that you are the resurrection and the life, and I dedicate my life to follow you. Lord, we thank you for this moment, this day. We worship you. In Jesus' name, we all sit together. Amen.